Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. And good afternoon. I'm Sandy Clough. Sean Rotar will join us shortly. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM at 107.5. HD3, our caller text line is always 303-831-1340. We stream on milehighsports.com slash listen, or if you prefer to watch us, milehighsports.com slash watch. And, of course, we're available on the free Mile High Sports app. Our producer is the great Danny Bailey. And we start today with the Rocky Mountain Showdown and the uncanny ability of the University of Colorado to draw criticism, whether it is slight, whether it is more in the form of a jab than a cross or a hook, It is almost inconceivable that week after week, especially this week, when CU is, for the first time this year in three games, a huge favorite, that they would still draw a degree of criticism. We'll perhaps discuss how serious this criticism is. From the opposing coach, much as Matt Rule had spoken in the offseason how he would never have cameras following him around. And I don't recall Danny Bailey whether Matt Rule mentioned Deion Sanders by name. But I don't think he was so, obviously referring but it was pretty clear. to yep. Deion Sanders. By the same token, Jay Norvell, the head coach at Colorado State University, does not mention on his radio program last night Deion Sanders by name. But it's clear that he is talking about Deion Sanders when he says, in effect, I was taught better manners. I was taught to take my hat off and my sunglasses off when I spoke to a group of adults. And Danny, I don't know if we have that sound bite 
yet, but let's hear exactly in full context what Jay Norvell said last night in Fort Collins on his weekly radio program. And so, you know, we're excited. Our kids are really, you know, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos, and it was great. I loved it. And, and uh, But our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught <laughs> So, you know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I – that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And so I don't mean to take over the show, but it's your show. I'm just tired of <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of all that stuff. It's just it's it's and I know everybody else is too. So um let's go play. Let's go play. And this uh from the same coach who earlier this week showered Deion Sanders with praise as a fellow black coach. He noted that Deion Sanders had many critics, and he, Jay Norvell, was not among them, and went on to praise Deion Sanders as a coach, as a program builder or rebuilder, to the point where Deion Sanders praised Jay Norvell right afterwards, once he was aware of those comments and said, I'm glad he said that. This is two black coaches on national TV, on ESPN, at 8 p.m. Mountain Time on Saturday night. My reaction, as Sean Rotar has now joined us, is that his motivation for doing this is contained within his commentary there he's trying to not necessarily fire up his team but give his team on the record the idea that he has their back after a series of interviews that i'm sure the csu players viewed as disrespectful toward them as in how many touchdowns are you going to lose by Saturday night? Six or seven? Or questions to that effect that I'm sure they took up on Fort Collins as being disrespectful, at least in tone. And Norvell's own reference to his own interview with ESPN, probably going along the same lines, Perhaps he was reacting to that and saying we don't have to apologize to anyone for deigning to show up on Saturday night. The only problem with it, and I know those those of us in media ask coaches and players to be honest and be candid, and there he is being honest and candid, and I suppose on some level we'll be criticizing him for it, but uh, I think he was simply trying to give his team a jolt of confidence and that they're, at least their own coach believes in them, and he's as angry as they are, 
at the disrespectful tone that uh, ESPN took. My question would be, Sean, why not just say that directly? He kind of hinted at it. Why not just say it directly? The, the shot at Sanders, which is not really a shot, as I suggested at the top of the show. It's not a right cross. It's not a left hook. It's a jab at best. But why say anything about how Deion Sanders conducts himself and how good his manners are or aren't? That, that's the question I have, and that's where I, I think that you are correct when we look at some of this and, and figure that it is calculated to an extent. Uh, Norvell is also of Native American heritage as well. So, the, you know, there's no, we, we've talked about, there has been the uh, more than a, a few tinges of racism in the commentary against Deion Sanders across the country at times. I don't think this was one, but uh, people rightly and immediately on social media put a photo after photo after photo of Jay Norvell at press conferences and interviews wearing the visor that he usually wears, not, yeah. not no sunglasses, but uh, it's it's obviously a pretty silly thing to bother with. I mean, the, your argument is that, what, Deion Sanders isn't polite? And that's a reason we're going to, we look forward to beating well, him it, on Saturday? I mean, it, it, know, just, he, he it does, just seems like a does, weird hill I to plant your flag I, on. That's I, yeah, all. It I, just I doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but I, I want to pick up on one thing. He, he, he said his mother taught him better manners, and that's, I think, yeah. what Dion picked up on later today when he reacted to it. Yeah. In uh, saying he's... Uh, intimating that uh, I, I didn't treat my mother right. And uh, so once very, yeah. again, it's, Deion it's, Sanders a has a personal gripe and with some tangible reasons yeah. for that against the opposing coach for at least the second time in three weeks. And there were other factors, I think, at play with TCU. But it's odd that against Nebraska – and CSU, two teams CU was favored to beat that opposing coaches either during the offseason or the week of the game chose to, without necessarily naming Deion Sanders, take a poke at him. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It, it, it struck me as odd. I mean, I don't understand. I we, We've talked about this. There is an idea that because of the broadcast that's there with ESPN, because Fox is staying there, ESPN is spending all tomorrow there, first take, Pat McAfee Sports Center, they will build up the Rams to be worthy opponents to the Buffs anyway because it's good for programming oh, and television to do so. I don't know about so. that. I, I, I think you'll see highlights of Bradley Van Pelt. You'll see, you'll see Sonny know. Lubick. You'll I, see a lot of that I, all I, I don't agree in the with pregame. That. I don't agree with that. It's all Dion all the time. And I think that's what Jay Norvell is speaking well, to. Well, he got attention. It's all Dion, all Dion, and you're just a chump uh, coach of a lousy program that doesn't really belong in the same field with CU. We're here because of CU. We're featuring CU. We hope CU wins 65 to nothing because people will stay with the game to watch Dion coach. Right. And say something and after the game. Say something after the game. They'll stay to watch Shadur Sanders play. Uh, I mean, there's no reason to take Shadur Sanders out at halftime if Colorado's up 35 to nothing. They'll play him in the second half. They'll play Travis Hunter on both sides of the ball. And 
now they, I suppose, they, as in CU, the Buffs have a reason to run up the score as much as they can. And I think the programmers want exactly that because it highlights, again, the narrative, the main narrative of this season so far is that Colorado, perhaps more than any football program in the history of college football, in the more than 100-year history of college football, has gone from a laughingstock, the very worst of teams. If you were being paying attention to, enough to even laugh at them. To, to a ranked irrelevant team that is getting more attention than any team in the country. And it doesn't matter. It, it, I suppose if they lost the game Saturday night, that would matter. Uh, the announcers would be uh, humming, 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 humming. Right? Why are we here? That we we were speaking of being sold a bill of goods, but the, the, there seems to be virtually no chance in the universe of possible things. Of course, it is possible that CSU could win, sure. but that's in the universe of possible things. The Buffs are favored by 23, and it might as well be 33. Uh, so I I can see how by Wednesday, on Monday, you're not feeling that if you're CSU. By Wednesday night, yeah, you probably are. So this ESPN's is just ESPN's a- been in, and they've been telling you, you're going to get killed. How do you feel about being on the same So is this a calculated a bit Deion of frustration, Sanders Sandy, bit? or is it just a, a, a knee-jerk reaction? Uh, somewhere between the two. Um, because it felt calculated I, I, I to me. I think it felt, it sounded a little bit When you talk about, I don't care if they hear it up in Boulder. That I don't tells care me if they it was hear calculated. it up in Boulder. But Probably I, ran that line in the mirror this but, morning. But it's a very different tone than he took on Monday. Mm-hmm. What was the difference between Monday and Wednesday? The difference was ESPN went up there and said, you're a bunch of clowns and you're you're part of the show tonight. You're props. You're props. You're the Washington tonight. Generals. And I know TV loves that. You're the Washington Generals. Uh, you know, back in the day, everybody knew what would happen when the Harlem Globetrotters played and they were a major draw in the 60s. Didn't matter. They were a show. Right. They were entertaining. And right now, to be fair, that's really so what Colorado is, Colorado. is. The style of play, the speed, the big plays, uh, Deion Sanders, uh, Shadur Sanders, the two-way play of Travis Hunter, it is part of the show. Uh, after the comments from Jay Norvell, uh, Shiloh Sanders, yes. the Buffs' leading tackler, and Deion Sanders' uh, son. This is not Shadur. This is Shiloh, Shiloh going on the Pat McAfee Yes, show. the safety. Uh, here's what he said. Why do they do that? I don't know. They're talking about that. Yeah, I, they, they just make it worse. I know, Shiloh. I know. I I don't understand it either. We are very confused by it. That is something you obviously all know about and are uh, very aware of whenever it happens. I I don't get why we was actually just talking about that. Um, some of the receivers and my dad was over there, and I overheard them talking about that. And I was like, what did he say? And they told me. I was like, bro, why do they do this to themselves every week? <laughs> Coach Brown's a cool guy. Like You don't have to be like that. You know? yeah, I agree. We all agree. Go ahead, AJ. Hey, I'm curious. When things like that happen, does he even have to bring it up to you guys, or do you guys bring, like, you guys come to him and let him know, hey, we got you. Like, don't, don't worry about this. We got your back. Oh, buddy. We're pretty up to date on, like, uh, that type of stuff. Like, our, our YouTube recommendations always has, always has different interviews pop up, like, for other teams. 
So the algorithm at Google is helping you guys get motivated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you, Google. Yeah. <laughs> He's not wrong. But uh, I, I love the, the tone that Shiloh Sanders had cracked me up. It's almost like the big brother going, why, why are you going to make me do this? Like, why? I mean, he didn't even seem mad about it. It was more like, why? Now you're going to make yeah. us have to do well, something we weren't going to do. I'm glad he has the same take that the rest of us. It's every week. He wasn't even really it's mad. He was, just, he was as confused and as we be were. There like, next why? week, because the Oregon coach, now that'll be a tougher that game, was, that one obviously, is a, yeah. but the Oregon coach ripped them the whole just a few weeks ago. Said, what do they want in the Pac-12 over the years? In the Pac-12. Let them leave. Yeah, that's fair, in the Pac-12. Uh, right before... His team left. I'm trying to remember, how many football national championships does Oregon have? Is it more than one? Is it any? Zero? Oh, okay. Just checking. Just, just checking my math. Um, I get it. In but the, in their the Pac-12 Pac record yeah. is better but than But Oregon CU's. loves the Pac-12 so much they bolted, too. But, so that, that was the whatever, of it, which Sanders <laughs> took note of. Yeah. He said, let me see. He said that right before, right before they, they left bolted. the Pac-12. So, yeah, defend the Pac-12's honor with what? Leaving? Get out of here. But it, it's just a bizarre... It, it didn't even seem, I, I, I thought about this all day. It didn't even really seem desperate. It just confused me. I, I My reaction was kind of like Shiloh Sanders. You're like, I don't think the Buffs, uh, we heard their talk over the previous two weeks. I think they were looking to, okay, these guys don't, we don't really have an ax to grind with them. We're going to put them away because that's what we do, but we don't need to make a statement or anything else. And, and now, now they're going to go out and make a statement. Now they're going to, the, the, well, I don't understand yeah, why. Yeah. I'm just, I'm perplexed and, uh, as to why. Well, what I don't understand is. I don't know what Norvell's plan They don't like us was. anyway. What evidence is there that CU is presently constituted, has yeah, they a don't even, grudge against CSU? They barely knew Nebraska, let alone Colorado State. Deion Sanders himself talked about how he didn't know about the showdown. You're going to have to let him catch up. He just right. got over learning about Nebraska's rivalry. The, the, the current buffs as constituted with their nine holdover players in total, don't have anything invested in this. Did CU and CSU play last year? No. No. I think it is perhaps true that by the end of the year, we know CU is ranked as the worst team in the football bowl subdivision, all right? Colorado State wasn't that far ahead of them. No. Those could have been last year two of the worst 10 programs in major college football. All right. They didn't play last year. Had they played, it was pretty much a pick em game. Yeah. I don't pretty think you would have known. Uh, maybe you'd favor the team with home field, but even there, I don't think home field would be worth that much. They could play anywhere. They could play in the parking lot, and it'd be a pick em game. So that this idea that this is 2003 or four or five, in Jay Norvell's mind, I I don't understand. Who, it. by the way, is new to it too. I I, I didn't understand it. It's, he, it's he's perplexing. Brand, brand new is Jay Norvell's in his second year at CSU. They haven't played Never since 2019. Colorado. How do? Where does he? Uh, Get the idea that CU hates CSU. They don't have to hate them. Uh, last year, they were in about the same place as CSU, and this year they're a lot better. And 
the teams they quote unquote hate don't even really include Nebraska, given the Jimmy Horn line last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, why? What do you know about Nebraska? And basically, said next, next to nothing or nothing. But how do you feel about? Oh, I hate him. I don't know anything about. It. I don't know why I hate him. I've been just told that we have to hate him because of some games that were played before I was born. That one, unfortunately, and I think I think it's it's too bad. I it calculated gamble. I think I don't think it's going to pay off. It kind of speaks to a little bit of that little brother complex that I think the Rams have a challenge with at times, and perhaps it ended up being just a little bit too much. But they are starting. A new quarterback, Braden Fowler-Nicolosi, in, in Folsom Field. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I don't know if all of a sudden it makes a huge difference in this score, but you probably did not have Colorado's full attention. Now you do. Okay. You know. You can... Uh, no, Colorado, any chance that Colorado was looking ahead to Oregon, and I think there was a, at least a fair chance that they might have been... Well, now they're not looking ahead to work. And I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, but fool around and find out, I guess. For the Denver Broncos, they're 0-1. One of their pass rushers is going to miss game two. As far as game two comes along, is it must win already in the second week of the season? It actually is. We'll explain why next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy reports from the Denver Broncos, at least uh, around Dove Valley. Adam Schefter, among others, reporting that Frank Clark, the pass rusher that the Broncos added from Kansas City, uh, will miss a couple weeks with a hip injury. So for the Broncos the pass hits rush. Keep on coming. Yeah, the hits keep on coming. And here's the problem. Last year, or last year, pardon me, last week, Sandy, the Broncos blitzed 41% of the time. That was the third most in football. Their pressure per pro football focus was 13% was their pressure rate. That was by far the lowest in football. Yeah. So not only did they pressure by the quarterback far. the least in the entire league, but they also blitzed the third most often number of times. So you're bringing extra guys more than 29 other teams did, and you still couldn't get the pressure that any of them did. This was the big argument that you and I had coming into the season that the Broncos pass rush, which, by the way, if they had had their full projected roster, which means Baron Browning, their full projected roster would have had a total of 18 sacks last year on their starting defense. They're starting 11 that they projected if there were no injuries had 18 sacks. And it looks like that kind of pass rush. The problem now is after dropping the game to the Raiders, you now play game two against the, the Washington Commanders. If you lose this game for the Denver Broncos, you've now lost two straight home games against teams that you need to beat. Your road to the playoffs, your playoff hopes, if you're the Denver Broncos, if you start 0-2, Sandy, they're and you done. Road game. They're done. It's over. Yeah. 
Whatever playoff hopes the Broncos had, as thin as they are, and you and I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. No. But you know what? I thought they'd win last week. And I figured when I was calculating wins this season, I think they'd win this weekend, too, against Washington. Right. But if they drop this game, their playoff chances go to basically even zero. If they win I don't game. care what the stats are. They go even, to essentially zero. Even this is a must-win game. game in game two. Even if they win this game, it doesn't really help them. It's an NFC opponent. It does them no good in tiebreakers. But I agree with you. If you start the year with two home games and you go 0-2, isn't it going 0-2 starting with two on the road or one at home and one on the road? It's 0-2 with two home games. And the Broncos over the years have rarely experienced that. Um, they did in the Vance Joseph era, and they started 2-0. and And since 0-2, when the NFL went to 32 teams, Teams starting 2-0 and made the playoffs 61% of the time. And I think that's kind of low, actually. But in the last two years, 11 of the 13 teams starting 2-0 and made the playoffs. Including, I believe, the last two Super Bowl champions that both started 2-0. and The Rams and the Chiefs mm-hmm. both started 2-0. So, conversely, if you start 0-2, uh, you're you're pretty much dead in the water. You're in last place, no matter what happens with the other teams. And I happen to think the Chiefs and the Chargers on the road will both win this week. Uh, the Raiders probably won't in Buffalo. <laughs> I'm, I'm just guessing Buffalo might be a little bit angry and the Raiders win uh, over the Broncos last week. It was just a continuation of a pattern that, has existed in this decade where the Raiders have managed to beat the Broncos seven times in a row, and they haven't really managed to beat anybody else very often, if at all. There was a quote today that I came across, and I I think... The quote relates to an individual, but it could describe the Broncos as a team. Tell me if you agree with this. Now, you can probably guess the individual. Okay. Although I won't name him. I'll give you a guess on who it is. It is pretty easy to say this player is no longer an arrow-up player. It's debatable to say that this player is even an arrow across player. I think, and you can probably guess the individual. I presume that's Russell Wilson. Yes. Say the same thing about the Broncos, right? It is pretty easy to say that the Broncos are no longer an arrow up team. In spite of all local and national predictions this year, last year, the year before, the year before that, the year before that, the year before that, the year before that, and to some extent, the year before that. This is eight years now we've been told that the Broncos are an arrow-up team. Maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but an arrow-up team. Better than most. They are not. And anybody who believes otherwise 
is deluding himself or herself. It is debatable to say that the Broncos are in arrow across team, which would mean eight and nine, nine and eight. Right. Which is where I we, think we the Broncos had them at eight and nine. I think the Broncos and my idea at the start of the year was eight and nine, but now that they've lost to the Raiders, which I thought was one of the six games you can kind of check off as a win, even two wins against the Raiders I had built into saying they'll go 8-9. Well, they obviously won't beat the Raiders twice. I think they're a 7-10 team, if not a worse team than that. They're not even an arrow across team, Sean. And so whether you're talking about Wilson in particular or the Broncos in general, there is no doubt that they are – not an arrow-up team. Washington, to me, at least on defense, is an arrow-up team. I think they're probably on offense an arrow-down team, but they have some individual talent on offense. And the interesting thing is this week, when you talk to Sam Howell and ask him who he modeled his game after, he doesn't hesitate. Oh, Russell Wilson. I grew up watching Russell Wilson. I'm I'm built like him. I like to think I play like him. And the question is whether he thinks he's played like the Russell Wilson who plays now, and that's a pretty low bar, or he's talking about thinking that he plays like Russell Wilson in his prime played, and that, of course, is absurd. Sam Howe will never be anywhere near as good as Russell Wilson was in Russell Wilson's prime, Although, you would think Sam Howell would be more or less the equal now of Russell Wilson. Howell has had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in each of his first two games. Uh, he could do that again. If he does that again, he'll tie Tim Tebow as the only person who's ever done it yeah. three games in a row. So he's doing one a little of bit games of that. last year. Uh, yes, exactly. The idea that the Broncos, though, are an arrow-up team, you make some good points, Sandy. The NFL sent out, as they usually do this time of year, a summary of the opening, the, the rosters for kickoff, right? And the other thing, we're, we're, what's colleges had the most players, surprise, Alabama, things like that. But one of the things stuck out to me, and as players age 30 or over, of which Frank Clark is one of those. Yeah. The teams that lead that list in the AFC are the teams that have had the longest streak without playoffs. The Jets have 15. The Broncos have 11. That's tied with the Ravens. No other team has more than 10. If you want to know a team that looks like they're an arrow up, that would be a team like the Bengals, who have one player, 30 and over, on their roster and are already good. Yeah, Those are what teams that, have the arrow up going. The Broncos are an older-than-average NFL roster. A lot of their talent is on the wrong side of 30. It has an odd combination of being an older-than-average squad with a lower-than-average experience level per player. That's hard to do. So you have a lot of people who are essentially journeymen that are bouncing around, don't play a lot, that are now sticking with the Broncos, they find themselves in a position where they absolutely have to find a way to pull it together and win this game. Now, they should. They should. I think they're a better team. I am 100% confident that Jerry Judy will play. The well, Broncos will bring him back. Right. Out today as a participant practice. So, so he'll he's come back. He's going to play. I, they won't have Greg Dulcich. They won't have Frank Clark. 
the and anticipation I don't know if they'll is really they'll get a few more Jerry snaps Judy from McLaughlin. But yeah, but he'll be out there. There is, if you're the Broncos at home with virtually everything to lose. I understand that Sean Payton got brought in to fix this, and I understand that it's going to be a longer-term fix. In fact, you and I have been telling everyone that. It's a longer-term fix than you all think, a much longer-term fix. And it can't all even be done by coaching. A lot of it has to be rosters. That has to be turned over year after year. But Sean Payton finds himself in his first must-win game in his second game. Because not only is it the idea of the Broncos' playoff, chances would evaporate, Sandy. That in and of itself, that's bad. Also not entirely unanticipated. We didn't think they'd make the playoffs. But for Broncos fans who last year thought a turnaround was coming and it didn't, who this year thought a turnaround might be coming, and then to find I out after two don't games. necessarily believe that, though. And, and I mean, we're generalizing about a fan base. I think the fans have smartened up. Well, I'll say this. People who spent a lot of money on season before. tickets are going to be pretty ticked off. The two games oh, in, your team is playing okay. out the playoff spring. That, that, but that, that's it. That may be, but no rational Bronco fan I've talked to. And that's actually most of them. I've been here for 45 years. I know a lot of Bronco fans, and I tend to associate with those who are rational. And I'm not saying negative. They root for the Broncos. They root very hard, but they're rational. No one thought they'd make the playoffs. And I, I I mean, I don't know, two dozen, three dozen. No one thought they'd make the playoffs this year. They were right with us. Which is interesting because the national no media actually had the Broncos. Well, the as national a team media is behind the fans. The fans watch the Broncos. The national media doesn't really and hasn't for years paid any attention to the Broncos. They see a Bronco coach coming in, whether it's Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton doesn't matter they all forecast great things and they do it locally too the fans are ahead of the media i keep saying that the fans are way 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 ahead of the media in terms of being realistic why does that happen how is the media missing on this how are they missing so badly because the media personality stuff if you don't write or say nice things you won't have access you don't have access anyway. You don't have access anyway. So why do you operate in fear of retaliation by the team? What What's the team going to do to you that they aren't already doing to you? That Denying the, you that, access? That part of the equation is interesting. Fans don't care. Fans have a choice whether to go to the games or not. The only thing I've heard about fans who have become disenchanted to the point where they want to sell their season tickets, at least some of the time, is they can't give them away. Can't give them away. And the Broncos were just as boring on Sunday as they've ever been in the last eight years. They will have to find a way to turn it around and turn it around on Sunday. They do not have time to get this right if they're going to keep their hopes afloat, uh, no matter how slim they may very well be. It is must win. It's just that simple. If, if John Payton said it, basically playoffs are bust, 
They can they can't make the playoffs on Sunday, but Sandy, they can sure bust. But we've already noted that deep down, Sean Payton knows this is a bad football team. The other thing Sean Payton knows is that if the Broncos start 0-2, 0-4, 0-6, virtually no one will blame him. It does there become are plenty a of harder other to blame on Nathaniel Hackett, though, doesn't it? We'll see. Well, I would hope that that is already diminished. And I think, again, the fan view, as far as I can tell, is that more than one thing can be true. Nathaniel Hackett was incompetent, and he wasn't 100% responsible for what happened to the Broncos last year. They can hold two thoughts at once. I only wish more people in our business could do that. We will obviously talk more about this. The Rocky Mountain Showdown is going on. The Avalanche start rookie camp today. Sports in Colorado never stops, and we won't stop here either. For Sandy, I'm Sean. We'll be back just a few right here at My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, when teams start 0-2, since the, we'll go way back, we'll go to the merger, 1970. Since teams okay. start 0-2, <laughs> uh, your odds of having a winning season are 14%. Only 57 teams. Wow. 57 really? teams no, no, this since isn't the 1970, which is winning just season. a winning season. 57 teams in history have ever had a winning season out of starting 0-2. Since the merger. Since the merger in 1970. That's 53 years. Right. 39 teams have made the playoffs. That's 9.6. Four have made the Super Bowl. Three of those have actually won, but that's still 0.7%. The idea that well, the expanded Dallas playoffs. one year. Didn't Dallas one year win a Super Bowl when Emmett Smith held out? I believe that's one of them. And they started 0-2, and then they signed Emmett Smith, and they went on to win the Super but Bowl. But it was nine, it's 9.6% making the playoffs throughout all of the NFL, AFL history, modern NFL history. Since the 12-team playoffs started back in 1990, the percentage is only 11.3. So it's not like it made it that much more. Well, now they're 14. Right. Now there's 14. And thus far, at least last year, yeah, seven teams started 0-2. None of them made it. Right. So it, it is it is not and a you're not making now. it out of the AFC West or in the AFC. Right. And that's the funny 0-2. thing. That's just in the total average. In the Let AFC, alone, you're dead. In the NFC, maybe not. In the AFC, AFC West, first and foremost, you have the reigning champs. Right. In the AFC itself... It is absolutely stacked. And here's the thing. The loss of Aaron Rodgers doesn't even factor in that much because the Jets were one of the teams like the Broncos that even with the addition of Aaron Rodgers, everyone was kind of like, maybe? Yeah, Maybe I, the Jets could that. make I a mean, run? The, I think the Jets... It was not an a, assumption that they were a playoff now, team. With even Aaron now, Rogers. I think the Jets will beat the Broncos here in week five. Oh, boy. But, 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 uh, certainly, even with Rodgers... The projections I saw had the Jets coming in eighth, ninth, tenth for the most part uh, out of the 16 teams in the AFC, which, of course, would not be good enough to get into the playoffs. A few people had them in there. 
uh, I'll go back. ESPN did a, a survey among executives on ranking the teams one through 16. I think they had six executives do that. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I'll have to dig up where the Jets were, but that was the vicinity uh, with the Jets, you know, coming in somewhere between six or seven. Oh, and by the way, they're one and eleven, and they are one and zero. And you know what? They're a good football team, but with two major handicaps, their offensive line isn't very good, and and their quarterback quarterback now isn't very good either. So, but as we touched on yesterday, you look at their running backs, their receivers, as a defensive team, special teams, they're really, really good in all those areas. They are dangerous. And they will try to do now, I suspect, what we keep hearing that the Broncos will try to do. And I put an emphasis on the phrase we keep hearing because the Broncos say this every year. We're going to run. We're going to run. We'll be a running team. We'll be a power team. We'll be whatever. 21 design runs in week one by the Denver Broncos. So I don't want to hear anymore about how the Broncos are going to be a power team running the football. They had 21 design runs in their opener and they threw the hell out of it. The same way Hackett did the same way Fangio or his offensive coordinators did, because Fangio didn't give a whit about offense. Uh, Vance Joseph, who might have cared a little more about offense, but not much. Uh, They're a passing team. They're a passing team because they were behind all the time. The thing is, the other day, they were ahead most of the time, and they still didn't run the ball very much. I'm talking about designed runs now. Yeah. 21. Not not Russell Wilson's. Were there four runs of 10 yards or more? Yes. That's a pretty good ratio. What that Four tells me is 21. you should run more. Right. <laughs> That's what that tells me. Run and more was often. there a variety in the way they ran the ball? Inside, outside zones, stretch handoffs, outside tosses, even one play where there was an inside toss mm-hmm. to Williams, and he ran through the A-gap. So there was some variety, and there was even so much productivity, four runs at 10-plus yards isn't bad, on a, on a team that had one play in the passing game that went longer than 20 yards and one play that ran exactly 20 yards. That was it. And Russell Wilson had, out of 34 passes, two attempts of 20 or more yards in the air. <laughs> so they're not a running team. They're not certainly a team that is going to throw the ball. I think Wilson averaged uh, four yards past the line of scrimmage per pass attempt, which was a career low by a country mile. Russell Wilson, whether he likes it or not, is a dinker now and a dunker, and he can't throw deep. And the Broncos don't think he can throw deep. The Broncos think his arm is dead. They don't even try more than one or two. Now, Sean Payton said, well, we had planned shots, more more planned shots than than two. Well, that's great. Uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't throw a pick, so maybe he played it smart. But what the Broncos say and what they do are diametrically opposed. That's another truth of the last seven years. And I go back to 2016 when a 
high-ranking Bronco official came up to me on opening night as they were in the process of beating the Carolina Panthers again as they had in Super Bowl 50. That Bronco team would go on to start 4-0. And this is a high-ranking Bronco team official saying, on opening night, we're unwatchable. I love Gary, but his offense is the most boring offense I've ever seen. We're like a team with two astronauts, Damaris Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, without a space program. That's how lost we are. These are the Super Bowl champions winning on opening night in 2016. And a very knowledgeable, high-ranking club official says, we're unwatchable. Totally unwatchable. We're the, we're the most boring offense in the league. And God bless that individual because seven years later, the Broncos are still the most unwatchable offensive team. And on Sunday, at least, the most unwatchable defensive team. They don't do anything. They don't pressure the quarterback. They don't sack the quarterback. Uh, their, their coverage uh, allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to sit uh, and, and just pick him apart, largely because they didn't have a pass rush. I, I get that. Uh, but <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. It, that's the great question. What's the Bronco offensive identity? You thought you knew was Sean Payton. Because the other, you know, other than Hackett, they were all defensive guys, right? Right. Joseph, Banjo. You thought you knew with Peyton, right? Presumably. You thought you knew, but, you know, Peyton says we're going to run the ball. And the the speed guy, how many times did McLaughlin carry the ball? Once, twice. 21 designed runs throughout the course of the game. Yeah, McLaughlin got the ball once, and it was a really considered a pass. Well, it was passed. Yeah, yeah. He it. didn't carry. The he ball. didn't. He didn't That's run right. Once. He didn't carry the. He ball. didn't run once. So it wasn't one. Or Let two, me give you zero. a counterpoint, though. Russell Wilson in the game on Sunday, when the depth of target was further than ten yards down the field, was seven for nine, for eighty-four yards, and a pair of touchdowns. His passer rating when throwing 20 yards or more downfield was 87.5. When he only threw two, but he did throw seven from 10 to 19, and his passer rating was 143.8 because he was six for seven with two touchdowns. Okay. And a yard so per of nine seven, per. Seven from 10 to 19 and two from 20 and beyond. Right. Those are nine passes out of 34. Right. But the funny thing is they were his best I, performing plays. I get it, but they don't trust him. They don't trust his arm. And I, they, don't they have to. every reason to believe that he can't throw deep anymore. I thought that was obvious last year. And again, it's mitigated by the fact they don't have any speed on the outside. And he's not big on hitting short and intermediate targets in stride and having them run forever and ever. Um, Jerry Judy's the only guy. But those intermediate really targets, anyway. he was six for seven. I, I know, but they didn't do anything. They, 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 they scored. They scored. They had all these long possessions, and that, that's the other thing that's when when you lose seventeen to sixteen, your point. Well, we had a lot of time of possession. Yeah, you didn't do anything right. with it. You had four out of six drives 
that lasted five minutes, 28 seconds or longer. And one of the two that, that didn't, it came in a situation where it, it, there wasn't enough time left in the half that do. And I made a mistake yesterday. I said the Raiders seventh possession came at the end of the game. Actually it came at first it, half at the end of the first half, not at the end of the second. half. Right. Obviously the Raiders held the ball for the last five minutes, eight seconds of, of the game. Um, that's why there were relatively few possessions in the game, although there weren't a lot of points. Both teams held on to the ball most of the time for five minutes at least, maybe even five and a half minutes at least, but there wasn't much that came out of it because Jimmy Garoppolo threw a stupid interception in the red zone and because the Broncos missed a field goal and otherwise butts away they had a first and goal that they managed to squander wouldn't run the ball on first and goal that sound familiar yeah how many coaches here have been knocked uh, whether they're coordinators you know play callers head coaches whatever when the broncos have first and goal they don't run isn't their identity supposed well, to be a that's, power that's running the team that's because, what we keep getting told we'll have to talk about it because but I'm saying your the idea Jets. is they don't trust Russell Wilson, but then again, they also don't run. So, what is no, it that they? No, I, I don't know. I, I mean, if if he goes 27 for 34, I guess they'll celebrate because apparently out at the Valley, they still believe that uh, uh, the game comes out of the stats when it's really the other way around. They have to find a way to get it done on Sunday. We'll oh, get we the latest from the Valley from the Denver Gazette's Chris Thomason. He'll join us next on My Life Sports. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.